Hezekiah was a good king of Israel back in the Old Testament times and he got sick and Isaiah comes into him and he says, get your house in order, you're gonna die. I mean, how would you like to receive a message like that from a prophet of God? Anyway, he did what you and I would do. He went to his room and he prayed like crazy and he bawled his eyes out and God says, okay, I'll heal you. And as a sign that I'm gonna heal you, the sun is gonna go back 10 degrees in the sky. Amazing. Anyway, the Babylonians, miles away, they noticed that the sun went back 10 degrees and they did a bit of asking around. This was before the age of social media. And they found out it was because good King Hezekiah had been healed and that was a sign from God. And so Babylon sends these ambassadors out to Hezekiah's place and what a golden opportunity for him to tell these ambassadors about how God had healed him, the creator God, the God of mercy. But instead Hezekiah goes on about all his great achievements and his house and all his wealth. And it comes down, then Isaiah comes back into the story and he says, what have they seen in your house? And we're asking the question of you, what have they, whoever they is, seen in your house? That's what we're gonna talk about on today's program. Stay with us. Welcome to The Home Place. This is my lovely wife, Carolyn Rain. I'm Paul Rain. We're from a ministry called The Home Place. And today we're reviewing the Sabbath School lesson, lesson number 12, what have they seen in your house? And it's a follow-on from the story. How, how do you think we can learn from Hezekiah's mistake there? I mean, when the Babylonians came over, he had a golden opportunity to share the goodness of God and he blew it. I mean, he, he really blew it. Um, so what, what, where were we well, going with this? Well, I think that, you know, so when people come to your home, it's not about your home and how beautiful it is and how beautiful the furnishings are and the surroundings are and all the rest of it. It's about what dwells and comes out of that home. Right. That is what they need to be seeing. Right. So are you saying then that, you know, we can just have a really dumpy place, you know, and there's <laughs> no. like, there's, and, a, there's an aisle about nine inches through all the boxes and you can smell things and you, it's just an absolute disaster. <laughs> you know, well, is, is, and, no. But it's just what comes out. You know, <laughs> you know we live in Montana. And um, I think it's probably a little bit different than downtown, you know, some big city somewhere. Anywhereville. Anywheresville. <laughs> because uh, a lot of country sort of places in Montana, and I know other places too, can be a little junky. Yeah. And or you a lot can junky. have a lot junky. You have a lot of stuff hanging out outside that probably right. should be in the dump rather than even inside. Yeah. But so we're not talking about what it looks like outside, but we do need to be representative yeah, of the Lord. I, I if agree we're going to be you. Christians, let people see that we are by when they drive past our yard, it actually looks representative of a Christian. Yeah, yeah. Um, they, they say in the old English dictionary that cleanliness is next to godliness. Right, right. And so if there's a, if there's a, as somebody comes to your house and there's, and please, we're not condemning anybody here, but if there's like 15 
wrecked vehicles out there and there's clothes you know that have fallen off or blown in or something just blowing around in the yard it's not super inviting for somebody but if everything it doesn't have to be expensive no, but if everything no. is just tidy and taken care of there's an well, immediate even, message there even here having the grass mode i know that we you know we're british so we like like the idea that we should have a proper lawn with beautiful grass and all the rest of it and we don't. <laughs> we have a lawn, a lot of the green stuff is thistles. We just mow them down and you wouldn't know. Yeah. But you know, you mowed on Friday and it looks beautiful out there. It's like a park. Yeah, even though the grass is really just... There's not that many thistles, <laughs> but it is mostly weeds. Um, I think the other thing that uh, we can do um, is to show people that we're caring people. You know, be involved in the, in the community as caring people, not mm -hmm. just people who are, you know, out for the count. Um, well, and I want to go back to the story. Yeah. So they came from afar because they'd heard of the miraculous healing. Right. And what, what God had done. And they thought, wow, Hezekiah must be an amazing individual that God would do that for him. Yeah. And, you know, I think I just want to touch on that whole subject because it is difficult and it is awkward sometimes to talk about what God does for you. And I don't know if that's what Hezekiah was up against or whether by that point he began to feel like, I'm such an amazing guy that God would do this for me. Well, I think the problem here was that the Babylonians were kind of like the center of civilization, so to speak. And it was like, oh, they're coming to me. Yeah, I better mm -hmm. try and impress them rather than giving them God. Right. That, that would have been right. the ultimate way right. of impressing them. And, you know, I mean, pills heal and doctors heal but ultimately it's God that heals yeah and I think sometimes we forget to give God the glory so I, I still I'm giving God the glory for what he's done in my life in my health in this last 12 months right. because a year ago I wouldn't have been sitting here in front of this camera I was too sick yeah and we didn't honestly think I would ever be well again so or, praise God yeah absolutely God. not as God well as it. I am <laughs> um, <laughs> there's a there's a quote here that was actually in the lesson okay it's from the book conflict and courage and it says far more than we do we need to speak of the precious chapters in our experience of the mercy and loving kindness of God of the matchless depths of the Savior's love what that's saying is when God has done something fantastic for you like he did for Hezekiah and I feel like I've had in the last 12 months of getting getting well we need to share that we don't need to be bashful right. when in prayer and praise and opportunities to share testimonies. We need to share what God has done for us because nobody can argue with what he's done for you. And those kings, I believe, that had come from afar to Hezekiah would have quite possibly become followers of God. Oh, yeah. Those whole nations at if stake. He yeah. had Because he yeah. had such an influence now. And they could look at him and see you were supposed to be dead and you're alive. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, it was it wasn't just the healing that they right, were excited right. about. It was the fact that the sun had gone right, back exactly. 10 degrees. It's like, exactly. wow, we, we've been watching the stars for years and that's never happened. Right. So um, the other thing um, is just to give God the glory. You know, and people say, hey, how come you're so peaceful in such and such a situation? Mm -hmm. You say, hey, well, God gives the peace. You know, you don't have to. I think the, the thing is, sometimes we think that sharing our faith is is kind of, pushing it upon people but just being totally natural and well, well, just well, saying hey god healed me or god saved me or whatever that's not that's not being prideful that's just that's just how it is right and and i think 
you know, you can go around bashing people with the Bible. You've got to believe all these doctrines. But when you share your personal testimony of what God has done for you, whether that's physical healing, mental and emotional healing, right. whatever it is that he has done, nobody can argue with that. And when you're able to share and, you know, hard though it is, I think a lot of the things we go through are what God uses that to strengthen us so that we have a testimony. Right, right. Okay, let's move on to Monday. Mm -hmm. uh, Monday was family first. Um, and if we if we go back to the title of the the message, which actually is a, a scripture from Isaiah, what have they seen in your house? The 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 what have they? Who's the they here? Obviously, in the context of the Bible passage, the they was the Babylonians. What have they, yeah, Hezekiah, uh, seen in your house? Um, but as we look at that scripture. It's what have they, what have our kids seen mm -hmm. in our house? Well, that's what, what, because... What has our um, husband or wife seen right, in our right. house? Right, and that's bringing it right down to where it needs to be. Right. It, it, it is about out there, but it starts off in here. Home is the yes. first mission field. Definitely, definitely. And I think it's the first overlooked mission field many times as well. Oh, yeah. It's, it's like... You it's know, not viewed it, as a mission field. No, it, it's kind of a... That's just home. Yeah, hang loose, you know, anything goes sort of thing. So all the effort we put into church or community, oftentimes we miss out doing it at home. Mm -hmm. um, and I feel sad that oftentimes we see um, youngsters, you know, you know, 6, 10, 12, 15, growing up there under their parents' roof. And their parents are good people, but their parents are busy doing all kinds of other stuff and they're not really taking time to get to know and train and exemplify Christ in family life. Mm -hmm. um, and so those kids grow up right underneath their noses, but they don't get the special attention that they should. Well, and we want we want to share the gospel with the world, but we need to start off in our home. So from from I just want to say it from babyhood our young people can be learning to have a connection with the Lord. Right. And I think that one of the most key things that we did for our young people was in the, from babyhood, they learned to have personal devotions. Right. Little tapes and things, it was tapes back in the day. Right. <laughs> CDs, DVD, whatever. Podcasts little, now. Yeah, podcasts, <laughs> little CDs back in the day that they listened to and they listened to scriptures and scripture songs. And then as they got older, they learned how to read from their own Bibles. And we taught them how to have personal devotions. Right. And then we taught them. And we had family worship By well. having family worship. And yep. you led out in family worship right. morning and evening in all, the, and, and still do, in all, over all these years. I think sometimes though, what happens is we know all those things are good, mm -hmm. but they get crowded out mm -hmm. by the busyness. And I think sometimes we think, you know, we go to church. You know, and they go, they to, go to Sam school or Sunday school or whatever. And it's like, you know, that, that'll work. Well, it will help, but there's nothing can replace mm -hmm. the practical religion in the family and parents taking an interest in the children and, and teaching them the scriptures mm -hmm. and not just teaching them a bunch of, you know, uh, Jesus said this and don't do that and all that kind of stuff, but actually showing them what that looks like in a life, in mm -hmm. a person. Seeing them say, see a kid seeing their parents say, I'm sorry, or I forgive you, or whatever it is. Uh, as they see that practiced, it has an effect on them. And how many people you might know, and I know we know, that have drifted from the Lord, they've gone off and sowed their wild oats, so to speak, and they come back 
And they, the reason they come back to the Lord at the end of the day was because of their upbringing. Right. Because of something that happened in their childhood. So I think very you've got powerful. a quote there. I, I do. I have a, a really quote. really good one. Yeah. Oh, that was that one. This one. As workers for God, our work is to begin with those nearest. It is to begin in our own home. There is no more important mission field than this. It's quite amazing. It is. There is no more important mission field. So we've done the Africa missionaries. We've done the nearby missionary yeah, work. We've done yeah. a lot of missionary yeah, work. Yeah, but that's uh, that's. Uh, but that's right pretty, here, that's there's no more important. Now it's not the only mission field, but it is the first work and it is an important work. So and, and I just want to I just want to interrupt and say that don't think then oh well I don't have children either you didn't have any or they've flown the nest now and so home is no longer the first mission field as long as there's two of you there's the home is the first mission field right so so I'm your first missionary okay endeavor <laughs> missionary endeavor okay let's go to Tuesday just again for the sake of time um, and this was peace that wins it was about uh, and you were going to read for us first Corinthians mm -hmm. uh, 7. Uh, it's about what do you do if you've got a husband and wife and one believes and one does not believe. Or one's practicing Christian, one is not. Yeah, or, or any kind of mix like that. What, what does the Bible say about that? You mm -hmm. want to read 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 12 through 15. So it says, If any brother has a wife who does not believe and she is willing to live with him, let him not divorce her. I love how practical this is. Yes. So just listen to how practical. So there you go. If you've got a brother and his wife doesn't believe, he doesn't need to divorce her. Right. And a woman who has a husband who does not believe, if he is willing to live with her, let her not divorce him. Sounds like you need to stick together. Mm -hmm. For the unbelieving husband is sanctified by the wife, and the unbelieving wife is sanctified by the husband. And then verse 15, But if the unbeliever departs, let him depart. A brother or a sister is not under bondage in such cases, but God has called us to peace. And then I want to read verse 16. For how do you know, O wife, whether you will save your husband? Or how do you know, O husband, whether you will save your wife? So it seems, Super practical. It seems like the idea then, so if there's a major difference in belief, um, or as we know people, you know, they were both unbelievers and then one comes mm -hmm. to Christ. So now one has a totally separate value system. Mm -hmm. And the other that didn't buy into this, you know, married and was an unbeliever themselves and married an unbeliever. It's like, oh, now what do we do? <laughs> um, but I think the idea is that the believer is supposed to stick with the unbeliever if they'll stay so that there's a chance that they can be won over. Right. They can be sanctified right. by, the, by the conduct of the believer. Um, how sad it is then if the believer starts wagging their finger and you can't do this and you shouldn't do that and don't you know or, the Bible says this. And, or just plain up divorces them. Right, yeah. And we know, we know cases where that has yeah, happened. That, that's a, so I understand that it's difficult if there's Very two difficult. different uh, value systems and there's going to be you know one trying to chain the children one way and one trying to chain the children the other way or very one's difficult. checked out and one it's very very difficult but the bible I think here is pretty clear don't just pull the plug and just say okay I'm out right. of here because you believe different it, it's, it's needing a connection with him even more so that you can demonstrate that love and that patience and that compassion yeah. and show Christ because you might be the only Christ 
yeah. that, that he or she sees. And it, 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 from our experience, from what we've seen is, you know, say Carolyn and I were both unbelievers and then Carolyn became a believer and I'm still not a believer and that normally is the way around that it happens, you know, the why first. Then if you uh, are going to try and win me, it's not going to be a five minute job. <laughs> it's going to be probably a five year job or maybe longer. Um, 20 year. 20 year. <laughs> Who knows? <clears throat> but what happened, I mean, according to what we just read there in, in Corinthians, if um, the unbeliever wants out, the other person can't really stop right. them. Um, and that's the but, important but, thing. But that. do your best to make it an environment where they don't want out. So what does that environment look like? It's obviously not wagging the finger all mm -hmm. the time and it's obviously not expecting them to do everything you do or forcing them to do everything. You've got to well, come with me to church. I have, you know? I know, I have friends in this very situation, more than one right. friend in this situation. And it's a case of, okay, so so maybe the husband, maybe it's, if it's the wife, maybe the husband doesn't want to see the Bible lying around. Right. Well, it doesn't have to be lying around. You can have it somewhere discreetly. Yeah. Now, you know, if your husband is saying you will never open that Bible, you know, you may not. You, you got to say the Lord yeah, against got to, that. Yeah, so. you do. But but not having it in his face. If if he's fine with it being around, great. Yeah. Does does he it mean you, it. <laughs> he might? And you know, does that mean at the breakfast table you sit and you read the Bible to him every morning? No, unless he wants that. Yeah. But probably he doesn't if he's in this yeah. situation. So, I think the ideal thing would be communication, courtesy. Yeah, courtesy, and then. I think it's the conduct that will win, Absolutely. not the, wow, did you see this verse? And then the unbeliever goes, Bam. oh, wow, yeah, that's it. I'm, I'm convinced. You know, it's going to be the... It's, it's, it's being patient and compassionate yes. and showing them love and needing a support from your church family to encourage you when you are in that situation. Because for those that aren't, it could be hard to understand. Yeah. Okay. Again, we're just touching on each day here. Wednesday and Thursday, we're going to lump together. Um, sharing, family, hospitality. You know, we, Carol and I, have been firm believers for many a year that, and it's kind of coming out in this program, it's not necessarily, you know, you must believe this and trying to win them over. I know that you believe that you go to heaven when you die, but let me show you that you don't. You know, it's, <laughs> it's not, that's not necessarily, that will win the intellectuals, I guess, if you're just trying to win somebody's brain. Um, but oftentimes you don't win the well, heart Jesus with that. didn't do that. No, it's much more of a, they've got to see it lived in you and then they will be open to what you speak. Mm -hmm. um, and I know that if you're anything like us, it's like, you know, they got to see it lived out in me. I mean, I'm a mess. How are they ever going to see? But we got to we got to live out what we've got. Right. I not mean, not wait until we are perfect and then, okay, Lord, you can use me now. Yeah, because you'll never get used. Yeah. You'll be bottom of the pile. <laughs> um, so you know, in the Bible, there, um, when they were looking for some lunch and Jesus was out preaching on the mountain, you know, they brought two fishes and five loaves. I mean, that isn't very much, but it was enough. Mm -hmm. So whether your life is two fish or whether your life is five loaves, whatever it is, I know it's not going to do much, but with God's blessing on it, do what you can. Um, well, I share just, what you have. Right. And I wanted to say that each 
So in, in our sharing, each family is different. Each family lives in a different environment and has specific gifts right. that they can share. Now, I, anybody who knows me, knows me well, knows that my least favorite room in the house is the kitchen, which is unusual for ladies, I know, but I, I mean, you aren't starving. You still look like you're all right. Yeah, I, I, you know, I'm getting a bit thinner, but I'm all right. <laughs> That's terrible. You know, of course I cook. And I taught the children to cook. And the children are fantastic cooks. I, I get a good sandwich every day. Stop. <laughs> and the children love to be in the kitchen. But it took me years to find out where I love to be. And it's the garden. So now we have a great big greenhouse. The, the greenhouse is 15 times the size of the kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. But, but what I'm saying is that so don't, don't feel like, well, because the next person at church loves to cook and cooks up a storm and is forever running here and there and everywhere with dishes for people, that's what you have to do. Because we all have different gifts. So right. what am I doing? I'm giving out flower baskets left, right and center. Yeah. Sold plenty. Even had a dear sister at church who, who bought lots of my flower baskets because she doesn't have time to grow all those and she's been giving those to other church members. Well, that, that's interesting. So Carolyn is using her gift to share her flowers because she loves to grow these flowers. Then her friend there at church who's got a you know a full-time job hasn't got time to grow all these flowers, hasn't got a greenhouse, but she has a bit of extra cash. So she buys the flowers off of Carolyn and gives them away. So now her <laughs> ministry is buying flowers and giving them away so that she right. is being hospitable with that. You are being hospitable with what you're doing. And I'm sure some of those people who get the flowers are sharing them. So I know it's going they on are. To somebody else. And, and, you know, I'm growing all kinds of produce. The idea being, again, that's what I can do. Right. right. So it's got to be. It's got to be natural. It's a little bit like the talent. It's like you can feel like I don't have a talent. Well, you do. And you just have to let the Lord show you what it is. It doesn't have to be the next person. Yeah, it's, it's a little bit like exercise. You know, mm -hmm. you, you must exercise. OK, so you buy yourself a treadmill you know, and you're pounding away on the treadmill. And it's like, I hate the treadmill. In fact, <laughs> we call it the dreadmill. Yeah. Um, you've, you've got a treadmill. I, I use it in the winter. Yeah, it um, works for you. I've got an exercise bike and I love it. Right. But you've. You've got to find something that works for you. And we're, we're talking here about sharing family, hospitality. So don't try and just replicate what mm -hmm. the next person is doing. You know, find something that you can do. I pray about it. Ask mm -hmm. the Lord, hey, how can I share you, Lord, with, with my community, with my church? Um, there's a way. There, mm -hmm. there, there's a way for each one of us. Um, Matthew 25 was very interesting because it talked a lot about hospitality there. You can clothe, you mm -hmm, can feed, mm -hmm. you can loan out your guest room, all, all <laughs> kinds of different ways that you could minister. And then um, it says at the end of Matthew 25, assuredly, I say to you, in as much as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. Mm. So think about that. You've been giving your flowers because I know you've probably given away more than you've sold, but you've been giving your flowers to Jesus, mm -hmm. you know, in the in the person of, you know, friends and neighbors. Um, anything else that you wanted to share before? No, we close I think off? that was it. Just just to reiterate again, don't wait for your family to be perfect before you go and now start to share. God will use you for who you are and where you yeah. are. Share what you have, even right. if it's only a right. tiny, tiny little bit, even if it's half a fish, so to speak. <laughs> OK, next week we are on our last week, mm -hmm. week 13 of 13, turning hearts in the end time. Stay with us. God bless. Bye bye. <laughs>